Welcome to the ministry of Bishop Emmanuel Intefo of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. Bishop Intefo is a medical doctor and senior pastor of the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Kolegono. A seasoned and anointed preacher and teacher of the Word of God, followed with various miracles, signs, and wonders. His in-depth teaching of the Word of God will change your life forever. Now, here's today's message. Well, is that a blessing to be here? Um, I want to say something very nice to all those of you who are here this morning. Now, God has blessed you to bring you here this morning. Hallelujah. And because you are here because you are hungry, you know, the rain and the weather takes away the people who are on the fringes. Are you getting that? Uh-huh. But those of us who are hungry, even if it is, there's earthquake, there's rain, there's fire, we'll still make our way here. So I pray that the Lord will bless all of you specially. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to say thank you once again to uh, Dr. Julius Lager, our bishop, for his graciousness, his hospitality, and the fellowship. The honor to be invited to share fellowship with you in Bethel. I really appreciate it and say thank you. God bless you. I'd like to salute all the men of God that are around. And it's a blessing this morning to be here once again. Let us pray. Father, thank you for another opportunity to come to your presence. We love you. We thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, teach us and guide us. And help us to understand how to build mega churches, growing churches. How to explain church growth. And to plant churches and to expand your kingdom. Lord, your way is that all men will be saved. We pray in the name of Jesus that you help us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to build successful churches. Churches that will impact this nation and other nations. Thank you for this morning, for your presence. We acknowledge you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, yesterday we started speaking about the mega church. How many mega church pastors are here? Amen. Yeah, I love it yesterday when our brother said he's now a mega church pastor. Where is he? Yes, he's now a mega, a mega church pastor. And that is it. Amen. The Bible says that life and death lies in the power of the tongue, and he that loves the fruits thereof 
shall eat their fruit. Hallelujah. So, um, what you say with your mouth is very important. Hallelujah. And um, we started talking about the importance of allowing ourselves for God to use us to build large churches. If you are a true pastor, you must want to have a large church. Hallelujah. Listen, if you build a church, then why don't you build a large church? If a church is what you have given your life to, then why don't you build a large church? Hallelujah. Do you understand that? So it is important for everyone here to desire a large church. And I give reasons why a large church is important. But perhaps the most important reason is the fact that in a large church means God has used you to bring many sinners into his kingdom. And a pastor is somebody who wants sinners to repent and enter into the kingdom of God. Is that also? Pastor, is that also? Yes. So, and that is what God also wants. Hallelujah. I show you the scriptures in 1 Timothy 2, 4, 2 Peter 3, 9, and other scriptures to show you that the heart of God is for this world to be saved. Amen. Now, starting from today, I want to start us on a journey for church growth. Hallelujah. Different things that we need to do that would cause our churches to grow. Now, Bishop Oedipo, one of the most successful pastors on earth today, this is what he says. He says, if the church that you are pastoring is not growing, it is your fault. If the church that you are pastoring is not growing, it is your fault. Because you are the pastor. Okay. So this statement means that uh, the growth of the church starts with the pastor. Now, in church growth, there are two major factors that come into play to cause the church to grow. The first factor is the divine factor, the supernatural factor. That is when God himself is doing what he has to do to cause the church to grow. The second factor is the human factor. And the human factor has gotten to do with you, the pastor. Hallelujah. Now the scripture says, it is God who works in us, both to will and to do of his own good pleasure. So God is working in us. And as the pastor, God is working in you to bring his purpose, to bring his will to come to pass 
in your life. So you, the pastor, as a human being, there are things that you must do. Which, if you do, will facilitate the growth of the church. Amen. How many times what I'm talking about? So the human factor talks about what you, the pastor, must do. Now you realize that God always works with men in the execution of his plans. Amen. God is God, but he has chosen in his wisdom to work with men to bring his plans to pass. So when, created, when God created the Garden of uh, Eden, all right, he raised up Adam to name all the animals and then to have dominion over his creation. When Jesus Christ came to the face of the earth to talk this world about the kingdom of heaven, he raised up 12 other men to work with him. And when he was about to leave, he left the work of uh, soul winning evangelism and the preaching of the gospel to these men. So God always works with men. And so you must understand that even though your church, you want your church to grow, there is a part that God expects you to play. Hallelujah. There is a part that God expects you to play in order for your church to grow. Now, one of the principles that uh, brings about church growth is the principle of the vessel change. Hallelujah. The principle of the vessel change. Can I have um, a drink? Okay? And then an empty bottle. Okay, let me know, can I have your empty bottle? And a drink. A drink. Alright, a drink. Can you bring me some drink somewhere? A juice. Juice. Hallelujah. The principle of the vessel change. Everybody say the principle of the vessel change. Say the principle of the vessel change. Say my, my vessel must change. So that God can do great things with me. If I want God to do great things with me, my vessel must change. Hallelujah. Now, the principle of the vessel change, what does it mean? It means that you must be a certain type of vessel to contain a certain type of substance. Amen. So must be a certain type of vessel so that you can receive or contain a certain type, you know, can you stand here? Please get another one. Get another one. Open it. Open it. Alright? So that you can contain a certain type of substance. Now, in Second Timothy, Chapter 2. 
In verse 20, the Bible says, But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor, and some to dishonor. Verse 21, If a man therefore purge himself from this, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. And prepared unto every good work. Now take note that the Bible said that in a great house there are many vessels. Some of the vessels are vessels of honor, and some are vessels of dishonor. But the Bible says that if a vessel wants to be a vessel of honor, that vessel must touch. If a man wants to be a vessel of honor, that man must touch himself. In other words, the ability to become a vessel honor lies in your own capacity. Now look at the scripture. Alright? If a man therefore purge himself, so for you to be used as a vessel of honor, God expects you to work on yourself and remove from yourself certain things that do not help you. Another amen. For example, if you want to be, if you want to have an international ministry, if you want to be an, if you want to have an international ministry, there is a way you have to cover yourself in the ministry, and there's a way you have to build your ministry. Yes, you can't have only ceremonies on your staff if you want to have an international ministry. And that is why I'm happy to see our brothers from Nigeria and from other places. You have to have people from different nationalities to make the ministry international. If you are a pastor, you want different types of people to be in your church. You have to change your vessel. You cannot be a pastor who speaks only Creole. All that you speak is Creole. And you expect people who don't understand you, understand it, to be in your church. You only have such people in your church. So you must change your vessel. If you are a pastor and you are not very educated, you can't speak English well, you can't read English well, you don't understand issues about politics, about medicine, I mean legal issues, you cannot make contributions contributions when it comes to talking about the finances of the country and all that. Your church will have a certain type of people only. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? So, your vessel determines what you can contain. Now, Sonia, oh, I wanted the same drink. Can I have the same drink? The same color. Now listen, now we all know that this is a uh, is this crafting? Crafting water? This is a crafting, this is a crafting water bottle. Is that not so? Alright, uh, can I have a one of, you know, that is it. And can you open it for me? Hallelujah. Now this is crafting water bottle. Is that not so? How many of you are grateful? Yeah. And then, 
This is a hallelujah. This is a heart. A Jewish God. Ezra. Ezra. Now, look at the bottle for Ezra. And then the bottle for the water. Are they the same? Are they the same? No. This is hard. It is robust. It is, it is, it is, it is a bottle. It can break. This is plastic. It is soft. Hallelujah. Now, suppose, come man of God. Alright. Yes. Yes. Please come up here. Suppose this man of God, okay, comes to, stand here, comes to our brother, a shop, to come and buy he wants to come and buy extra. Okay? And our brother here takes the extra drink. What do you call this? Yeah, come on. Now watch. Sonia. Police. Pastor wants to buy cotton water. And then he comes to the shop. And our brother here, the store manager, comes with this to present me that this is crafting water. Will you buy it? No, sir. Why would you buy it? The bottle, the container, is different from what is inside. In other words, you don't believe that this is crafting water? Yes, sir. How many of you wouldn't buy this one? How many of you wouldn't buy this one? But he said, oh, this is tiny, this is crafting water. This is crafting water. Please buy it. Huh? It's not true. Huh? This is grassy water. Now, why is it that our pastor here is not convinced? Because captain water. You understand? Captain water. Uh, when you look at the color and everything is different. Is that also? It's different. It's different. Amen. Or, let's turn it around. Yes. Let's turn it around. Can I have an empty bottle? Alright. I'm showing you a very important principle. Now. Right. Or, our pastor comes. He wants to buy extra drink. Extra drink. So he comes to the shop and then the shop manager says, This is what? Man of God, this is extra drink. Will you buy it? No, sir. Why? The container is crafting water. The container is not right for extra drink. Watch this. Watch this. What goes into the container is determined by what the container looks like. So what comes into your ministry is determined by who you are. You know, this, thank you. This brings us to, to church growth. Because this one I'm about to talk to you about something important. That you can never begin to have church growth 
Unless you, the pastor, your container, your vessel has changed. You can dream about church growth. You can pray for church growth. You can fast for church growth. But you will never receive the anointing, the grace, the wisdom for church growth unless your vessel, your vessel as a pastor, has changed. How many of you understand that? So this morning, I want to talk to you about something in your life that must change to let you now begin to be placed in a position to experience church growth. How many of you are ready for that? Hallelujah. So I am sharing with you this morning are three attitudes that you need to have to experience church growth. Three attitudes. Amen. Now those three attitudes are going to make sure that your vessel will change to be able to receive church growth. Wow. I said wow. Hallelujah. Now, number one. Number one. Have a heart for church growth. Have a heart for church growth. Have a heart for church growth. Now, the first attitude you need to have as a pastor for you to begin to experience growth in your church, in your ministry, is for you to have a heart that wants church growth. Very important. Very, very important. Now, why is this so? There are two reasons why your heart is very important. Number one, number one, life begins in your heart. Life begins in your heart. <laughs> life begins in your heart. Now, nothing will happen. You will not take a decision. You will not do anything in ministry or in life unless that thing has entered your heart. Amen. Now, all of us, day in, day out, we have ideas, thoughts that come into our mind and they don't affect us. The only time those thoughts Ideas affect us. It's when they descend into our hearts and they occupy our hearts. Once the idea or the thought enters and occupies your heart, you begin to take a decision. So, in your journey for childhood, the first attitude you must have is that your heart must be ready, your heart must desire, your heart must be positioned in such a way that it wants your church to grow. Now look at Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. The scripture says, 
Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. The issues of life proceed out of your heart. And that is why the scripture says, keep watch over your heart. Watch diligently over your heart. Because the issues of life, the things that matter to you in your personal life and in your ministry, alright, they come out from the defeats of your heart. The message Bible, this is what the message Bible says. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That is where life starts. That is where life starts. Life starts in your heart. The life of anything that you want to see in the ministry in your life, it starts in your life. So, church growth starts in your heart. The growth of your church, the expansion of your church, a big ministry, having many branches, having many people in your church, it starts in the heart of the pastor. If it is not in the heart of the pastor, the pastor will not experience growth. And this is the reason why many of us have not seen growth and expansion. Because that idea is simply not there. You see, I was talking when our brother confessed yesterday. He said, he said, I've been blessed because I thought church growth was for some other people. No, with such a mentality, you can never experience growth. Your church will begin to grow when you say to yourself, church growth belongs to me. I'm a mega church pastor. God has used me to do great things. God has used me to build a large church. Thank God for those who have gone ahead. Thank, thank God for the Bishop Dax. Thank God for the uh, Dr. Charles and the Bishop Olay de Pose and, and, and the Pastor Manuel Vegas of our, of, our, of our world today. But it is my thing. If God called me as a servant, my church can also grow. And I'm going to experience the growth. That thing must come into my heart. How many of you understand what we are talking about? And that is the principle of the vessel change. Immediately you begin to think that your vessel is changing. Yeah. Now, you, you, you have thought that church growth is something that all pastors want, accept, desire. It is not like that. Many pastors don't think about church growth. Like I was telling you about yesterday, many of us have reduced the ministry to our personal wel- welfare and well-being. Once everything is okay with us, with our 50 members, our 100 members, 200 members, we are okay. We are okay. We can pay ourselves. We can drive a little car. We can rent a house to be in it. Pay our children's school fees. And then that is it. And when your heart is like that, your church cannot grow. Because it is simply not in your heart. So it doesn't issue out. It doesn't come out. You don't see it in manifestation. But from today, your heart is changing. I said from today, your heart is changing. Hallelujah. Today's living Bible translation, this is what it says. Listen to that. Above all else, guard your affections, for they influence everything else in your life. Your heart influences everything in your life. Your heart Influences. Your heart has an influence. So, so what your heart is deciding 
It's what you see in your life. It's what you see in your ministry. Your current wife is your current wife because that is what your heart decided. And your current husband is your current husband because that is what your heart decided five years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, two years ago, five years ago. There were so many ladies, so many men to choose from, but your heart influenced you in this particular direction. And that is what you have in your house today. Whether it is good or bad, that is what you have. It is as a result of how your heart influences you. So church growth starts from allowing your heart to influence you in that direction. Can I have Now, the pastor's heart is important because it influences everything. The pastor's heart is important because that is where life begins. If your ministry is full of life, it is because your heart is full of life. The life of your church begins in your heart. So church growth must first be conceived, formed in the heart of the pastor. Church growth must first be conceived. It must be given birth to. It must have its beginnings in the heart of the pastor. A pastor who does not think about church growth will not see church growth. Can I have an A pastor who does not think about church growth. A pastor who does not dream church growth. A pastor who does not desire church growth cannot see church growth. And that is what I call the principle of the vessel change. Hallelujah. Now, the second reason why you must have a heart, that a heart for church growth, is because the size of your physical heart is as big as the size of your clenched hand. The size of your physical heart is almost as big as the size of your clenched hand. Now listen. Everybody, do your hand like this. Clench your fists. Clench your fists. Everybody, clench your fists. Have you clenched your fists? Alright. Now, your physical heart, your heart that is in your chest, beating, its size is just as big as this. So those of you who want to see the size of your heart, this is it. So look at it. Yes. That is it. So today you know the size of your heart. Yeah, that is it. That is it. And now watch this. Watch this. This is powerful. Something powerful is hitting you now. God is going to show you something right now. Are you ready? Now, we work with our hands. How many of you work with your hands? The whole of ministry is the work of your hand. Is that not the case? Now, therefore, if your physical heart is as big as your client's hand, then it means the size of your ministry is as big as the size of your heart. So, the smaller your heart, and I'm not meaning 
the small in terms of your physical now understand it now. How many understand it? The bigger the heart you have, understand it? the bigger the heart you have, the bigger the weight of your hand. And the smaller you are. You know when the when the in, in, in number chapter 14, when the twelve spies went to the land of Canaan to spy, they came up and said everything is okay. Only that we saw ourselves before the children of Enoch. We, we, we were, when we looked at ourselves, we were like grasshoppers. So you see, you can be in the ministry and you can have a grasshopper vision or heart. Everything is small. Small part, you are happy with a small part. When, when, when your past stands to minister and there are, are 12 people, they are very happy. You are, you are very happy with your, your small meeting place that can take 75 people. I mean, you, you, can't, you, can't, you cannot see anything bigger. You cannot dream bigger. You cannot extend yourself. Your heart for the ministry is small. And therefore, your, that what you produce in ministry is also very small. How many of you can understand that? I need you to understand this principle. Because the journey towards church growth is starts with what goes on in your heart. So pastors with large ministries are pastors who have large ministerial hearts. Their hearts are big. They like to dream big. They like to speak big. They like to do big things. They like to take on big challenges. They have big faith. They have big faith. They see big things. When things are not working, they are seeing beyond it. Their heart is big. But your pastors, who are like this drop spice, they know that everything in ministry is nice, a big ministry is nice, having a Bible school is nice, being able to do uh, crusades in different places is nice, and all these things, but they don't have the ministerial heart to be able to go for it. May God extend and enlarge your ministerial heart in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Now, look at Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. But as he thinketh in his heart, so as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So when you see a pastor and you see his ministry, his ministry is a reflection of the way he thinks. Your ministry, so far, you have been in ministry all these years. So the level of ministry that you have is a reflection of what goes on in your heart. Why do you think Bishop Laga will bring me all the way from Ghana? He, he didn't even know me. He has not even heard me preach. He spoke to somebody and somebody said, oh no. So, based on what you want, this is the man that you need to invite. Yes, I didn't even know him. But you see, it shows me what is going on in his heart. Because when you see 
is thinking about. Wow. How many of you have understood the principle? How many of you now realize that your heart is very important? Church growth. Listen to this. Church growth must be conceived, it must be formed, it must be developed, and it must continue in the heart of the pastor. This is the first attitude that if you want to experience church growth, church expansion, you need to have. Hallelujah. You must have a heart that wants church growth. Can I have an amen? Number two. The second attitude. The second attitude. Have a vision for church group. Have a vision for church group. Have a vision for church group. Now what is a vision? A vision is a strong dream. An aspiration. A desire. Something you really want to see and experience. Or something you want to achieve in your life. Or in your ministry. That's a vision. It's a dream. It's a dream. It's an aspiration. It's something that you like to see. Something you like to achieve. Now, if you want to see a big church. And yesterday, I said to you that every pastor here. You must believe God to have at least 1,000 people sitting on a Sunday morning in your church. And it will happen to you in the name of Jesus. Yeah. But you see, you must have a vision. Why is it important for you to have a vision? Because without a vision, you will die. Your ministry will perish. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Hallelujah. By the way, let me go back a little. Bakar and Joshua, they saw the Enoch's, they saw the giants, but they said, we can take the land. Let's go and take the land. Why? Their heart was different. And later on, Later on, at the age of 85 years, at the age of 85 years, Caleb went to Joshua to say, give me this mountain. This is the mountain that God promised to me. Give it to me. At the age of 85 years, he still had the heart to fight for what belonged to him. Hallelujah. So, we must all be like Caleb and Joshua. God said of Joshua, and Caleb, that they have followed me with another spirit. It is a spirit of wanting to see what God has given to them. May you see what you want God to let you see. Can I have an amen? But see, anybody, look at me. Why is a vision important? A vision is important because without a vision, you will die. Nothing will work in your life if there is no vision for it. And look at me. In this life, if you can't see, you are in trouble. <laughs> Hello? I said, in this life, 
If you can't see, you are hot in trouble. You cannot be comfort. You can't see. You cannot become what you can't imagine. You cannot become what you cannot dream of. You become what you see. You are greatly handicapped if you cannot see. Now the scripture talks to us about uh, blind by tenuous. In Luke chapter 8, verses 35 to 40, he was blind. Huh? Alright? Now, when you look at his life, you can draw many lessons about somebody who cannot see. Number one, without vision, you'll be sitting down. Without a vision, you'll be sitting down. You cannot move. You can't move. You only sit in one place. You only sit in one place. They just carry you and come and put you in one place and because you, you, don't, you can't see, so you can't move. So there are many pastors who you started a ministry two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and nothing about your church has changed because you cannot see. How many of you understand that? You cannot see. You can't see. You can't see. You can't see. But today God is going to open your eyes. Because I'm going to show you the importance of seeing. Hallelujah. Without a vision, you'll be begging. Without a vision, you'll be begging. Without a vision, you'll be poor. Look at me, Pastor. If God called you, you should not be begging. If God called you, you should not be poor. But the reason why you are poor is because you cannot see. You don't have a vision. You can't see. You can't see the ministry. You can't see a successful ministry. You can't see a good ministry. You cannot see. You can't imagine it. You can't. You are blind. And people who are blind, they are beggars. So that is why you are begging in the ministry. After five years in the ministry, you are begging for chairs. You are begging for money. You are begging for musical equipment. You are begging for money to be able to travel. It is because you have not been seen. Oh, may the Lord open your eyes. How many of you understand what we are talking about? How many of you want to want the Lord to use to build a large church? You must see. You must see. You must. I'm, I'm sure that Bishop Laga has seen something. I'm sure he has seen something. I'm sure three years, four years of coming to see what God has used Bishop Dax to I'm sure you have seen something. And you see, that is what has translated. It is the vision. It's that vision is what is guiding him. That's what the Bible says. Where there is no vision, the people perish. To perish means you become rotten. Your ministry will become rotten. Your ministry will become tasteless. Your ministry will become unattractive. Your ministry will lack glory. Your ministry will lack sparkling. Your ministry will lack excellence if you cannot see, if you don't have a vision. Can I have an amen? Without a vision, you always depend on others. God may tell us he couldn't see, he was a beggar. And even when Jesus called for him, he had to depend on others. Don't you depend on others? When you cannot see, there must always, listen to this, when you cannot see, when you don't have a vision, 
there must always be a recovery plan for you. A recovery plan. A rescue plan. <laughs> Some things must be established to rescue you. To recover you. So brothers and sisters, pastors, church workers, it's important for us to see. It's important for you to see. Now listen, if you want to have a big ministry, okay, you must first and foremost see it. What you see, you will become. What you don't see, you will not become. It's as simple as that. Write it down. What I see, I will become. What I cannot see, I will not become. How many of you want to see a large ministry? Want to see a large ministry? How many of you cannot see your hand? Want to see a large ministry, a big ministry? 2,000 people, 1,000 people, 3,000 people, 5,000 people. How many of you want to see your ministry having branches all over Sayo? And in Liberia, in Nigeria, and in Ghana, I'm, I'm waiting for you to come to Ghana. I'm waiting for you to come to plant churches in Ghana. We are waiting for you. Now listen, the first thing is that you must see. You must see. Amen. Now, this principle of having a vision, seeing before becoming, God applied it in the scriptures. All throughout the scriptures. Now I want to give you only two examples. Abraham. Reverend Dr. Abraham has been promised a great ministry. In Genesis chapter 12, God called him and said, leave your father's house and follow me into a land that I will show you. And he said, I will make of you a great name. Amen. Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and of thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. So when God called Reverend Dr. Abraham, God promised him a mega church, a big church, a successful ministry, a great church, a church, of nations. Is that what you want to become? Is that what you want to become? That you sit here in battle in, in Freetown and that is in Sydney and it's in uh, Kuala Lumpur eh? and it's in everywhere. Everywhere. South Africa, New Zealand, everywhere. Everywhere. That is the ministry that God has given to Shabbat. By the grace of God now, that little child that I spoke to you about started by a young medical student in a little classroom now can be found in more than 70 countries on all the five continents of the world, including China, India, the Caribbean islands, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, Solomon Islands. Can you imagine that? A church that was founded in Ghana, a poor African country, all over the world. All over the world. It is possible. I said it is possible. If you can see. If you can see. Now. Now. After. After. 
spent five years. Abraham was not seeing this ministry. <laughs> In Genesis chapter 13, you remember that his, his cousin Lot had chosen the best part of the land. Do you understand it? But watch something. Watch the principle of sin coming into play. Genesis chapter 13. Look at Genesis chapter 13 from verse 14, 14 to 17. Look at it, everybody. And the Lord said to Abraham, after that Lord was separated from him, let up now thy eyes. Question. Pastor's question. Pastor's question. Question. When you are told, lift up your eyes, what does it mean? It means what? Look. Look. See. Open your eyes. Look. Have a vision. God was telling Abraham, have a vision. See. 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 He said, lift up now thy eyes and watch this. And look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. Alright? So Abraham, look at the north, look at the south, look at the west, look at the east. For what purpose? For what purpose? That you think. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. Let me ask you a question. Pastor, what is, how much land did God say he will give to Abraham? What determines the size of the land that God will give to Abraham? In other words, what would determine the size of Reverend Dr. Abraham's church and ministry? What determines it? What determines it, sister? What determines it? What he sees. What he sees. As far as you can see. God was saying, as far as you can see, that is how your ministry will come to Now, listen to this. Write it down. My ministry is limited by myself. <laughs> the size of my ministry is limited by myself. Don't blame a demon. Don't blame your bishop. Don't blame your founder. Don't blame your wife. Don't blame your members. The size of your ministry is determined by you. If you can see. Read it for yourself. For all the land. All the land. All the land. Let me answer. All the land that you can see. All the land that you can see, God said, I'll give it to you. Only you can dream. And that is dreaming. That is dreaming. You have to dream. You have to have a vision. You have to have a vision. Hallelujah. All the land that you can see. Pastors, listen. That is why when you want child growth, there are certain things that you have to do. One of the things that you have to do is that from time to time, you have to leave your church and go to fellowship associate with ministries that are successful. I will encourage all of you from time to time, just come. Come and be uh, Bishop Laga. Sunday morning you come. So, Bishop, I just came. I want to come to church here. Come and sit down here. Look at the size of the choir. Look at the ashes. 
Look at the congregation, the size of it. Look at how things are being done. And it will give you inspiration. You see, because what happens is that when you are brought down in a little corner, always with 20 people, always with 30 people, you are deceived to think that that is all that you have, or that is all that church is. But church is much more glorious than you can see. Hello? Listen to me. Often, you cannot see much by standing at the gate. But when you enter to the gate, often your eyes can be blown apart. You must see. So find successful churches, whether it's in Sanyo, whether it's outside the country. You should just leave your church where you spend one week with a successful pastor. Get inspiration. See. See a lot of people walking around. See a lot of cats. Cats. That is why we go to Korea, South Korea. And I'd like to encourage all of you to come to Dr. Ngucho's Chef Go Conference. It, it, it comes around every uh, other all year. So 2017, October, next year to come on. Then 2019. Come, you see church. You see church. <laughs> you see church. Look, in our churches, how do people come to church? Your church is made up of 50 people. The service is supposed to start at 9 o'clock. It's about to start at 9 o'clock. By 9 o'clock, only 5 people are there. By 9.30, another 2 people. By the time all your people gather, a service that must start at 9 o'clock is starting at 11 o'clock. Pastors, is it true or is it not true? Is it true or is it not true? Yes. But when you go to Korea, alright, in the first place, most people don't come to church on Sunday because there's nowhere to sit. No. So they stay in themselves. So that they, they, they summarize that I chose messages and then they send it to them. Then there are another about 20 other very big churches that are hooked into the service direct, directly through satellite uh, TV. But those who go to church, there are seven services. The auditorium sits 12,500 people. Alright? When they open the gate, when they open the gate, look, you have not seen a church where people run. I'm telling you. Let's go and see it. And then when they, when they close one service, I've done it before. I'll go and stand outside and I'll see, I'll look at the people coming. And you see a sea of people, a mass of endless endless people coming out of the church. And when the next service is started, within five minutes, 12,500 uh, seats, it's over. Remind me, remind me to bring my surface tomorrow. I'll show you. I'll show you. You see buses. That is why we learned how to bring people in buses to church. You see buses, hundreds of buses arriving. Hundreds. You see the church administration. You see Ashram. You see older people serving the church. You see how women play in your most of the roles in the church. Your eyes will open. Don't sit in your little church and die. Lift up your eyes and see. Lift up your eyes and see. 
by sitting in your little church, you can die. It happened to Abraham. Look at Genesis chapter 15. <laughs> it happened to Abraham. Genesis chapter 15. Reverend of Abraham was not seeing the church group that God has promised him. Chapter 15, 1 5. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, and thy son and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord, Lord God, what would thou give me? Since I go church childless, the church is not growing. And the steward of my house in this Eliezer of Damascus, I have only this one sheep who has been following me all these five years. Only three people, only fifteen people. Since you called me, look, you have given me only 25 people. You said I have a big church. But look at the number of people that I have. He was complaining. He was complaining. And look at what God said. That's right. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And one born in my house is my heir. Continue. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thy heir. I came to speak into the life of every pastor here. The present church that you have shall not be the church that God wants you to have. Receive this prophetic word in the name of Jesus. I said, no matter the nature of your church, how big, how small, how expensive it is, this is not the church that God has called you. Jolaga, God is going to give something bigger, something more expensive, something more sparkling. Receive that grace. It's a promise into your life. Because as a man is in his heart, so is he. We are going to see churches, better churches all over this country. May the Lord give you life to see. Yeah, you see it. You see it. God said, This shall not be thy hair. This shall not be thy hair. This, that church, that church, that twenty member church, that one member church, that church that you are following, that is not a church that you are going to die with. Pastor, God called you for something bigger. You are going to become an international minister. I said you are going to become an international minister. Receive international ministry right now. Receive international ministry right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Yes. Some of you, you have never been invited before. But God will bring you to that point. You will not be able to fulfill the invitation. God will send you everywhere. I said God will send you everywhere. God will send you everywhere. Hallelujah. For thou, O God, are my shield. And you are the lift up of my head. May the Lord lift up your head. Some of you are discouraged. May you receive encouragement right now. In the name of Jesus. After this conference, something wonderful is going to begin to start in your life, in your ministry. Increase is coming. Expansion is coming. God is going to give you the ship. God is going to cause people to enter your ship. Paul said, I'm watered. Apollos have planted. I planted. Apollos have watered. But God gave the increase. We see the increase. We see the growth. We see the expansion. See the glory. See the glory. See the glory. See the glory. See more branches. More branches. More branches. More churches. Rich people. Poor people. Educated people. Uneducated people. Receive them. Receive men. Receive women. Receive children. Receive them. In the name of Jesus. Receive them now. That is your portion.
portion. That is your 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 portion. God did not call you to look after the sensitive people. God did not call you to look after sensitive people. God did not call you to look after eleven people. God called you so that you become a pastor of many people. Receive that grace now. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive that blessing. Receive it. Receive that grace now. Receive it. Let it be your portion. Let it be your portion. Receive that blessing. Receive that blessing. Receive that blessing. Abraham. 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 This shall not be your way. This shall not be your way. This shall not be your way. Don't accept it. I told you yesterday, reject a small church mentality. Reject it. Receive it, brother. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. Let us return us right now. Tell the Lord, I receive. I receive something better. I receive something greater. I receive something more powerful. Come on, pray and receive it right now. Receive it, receive it, receive it right now. 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 It's a great
Yeah. After this conference, refuse the church that you have now. Say, Lord, I thank you. But this is not what I know after. Yeah. I told you yesterday, Dr. Cho, when he rose up to 3,000, he asked the Lord, Did you call me to pastor only 3,000 people? Did you call me? Tell the Lord, Did you call me to pastor only 20 people? Only 100 people? Only 500 people? Only 1,000 people? Did you call me to give me only 5 branches? 10 branches? No. Lord, as long as you want the whole world to be saved, give me more people. And the Lord will do it. But remember, you will see it. That is why you must attend conferences like this. That is why I told you in the morning that those of you here who decide the way to be here, God will bless you. That it shows that you want something. It shows that you want something. Not to travel. Some of you don't travel. You don't go anywhere. Not to travel. Stop eating in your stomach. Food will not do anything to you. First Peter chapter 4 verse 8. Amen. For body exercises profited little. But godliness profited unto all things. Amen. But in the world to come, end. The now, the one that now is. So godliness will profit you. Stop eating. Pastor, you eat too much. Stop watching too much television. Travel to other places. Where there are bigger churches. Go and see. When you come, you change. Come on, God. Is that not the case? You will. You will change. You see, you are affected by your environment. Now, Reverend Dr. Abraham was very discouraged. And he said, God told him, this is not, this, this is not the church that I've called you to pastor. And in Genesis chapter 15 verse 5, God said to him, watch this, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad. God brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven. And tell the stars, if thou be able to number them, and he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. You see, God, God took Abraham from under the tent and said, Look at your eyes. Begin to count the stars. As many as you can count, if you can count, that will be your church members. Today, all of us are called the children of Abraham. All of us were in the loins, the spiritual loins of Abraham. The father of faith. All of us. But there was a, there was a point that he had only one member, apart from his wife, Eliezer uh, of Damascus. And he was complaining. And the Lord said, No, lift up your eyes. He said, The solution to your problem is that you have been looking under this tent too long. Come out. Let's watch. The Bible said that. And the Lord brought him forth abroad. Do you have the NIV? Do you have the NIV? The Lord brought him forth. The Lord brought him out. You need to go out. Hallelujah. Come to Ghana and attend.
conference where thousands of pastors come from all over Africa. From East Africa, pastors charter planes. They charter planes to come. And I know many pastors, hundreds of them, whose ministries have changed just because they saw. Just because they saw. See how a church building must be like. Don't build a church building which looks like a, 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 a supermarket. Sometimes the construction, everything is like that. Because you have not seen a nice church building before. Sometimes the chairs in your church, you must change them. You must. Come on, amen. Amen. You must change how things are done. But you can only change when you see how other things are done apart from the way you have known it. See? I'm talking about three attitudes that a pastor must have so that you can experience change. Number one, have a heart for change. Because that is where it starts. Number two, have a vision. See? So Abraham came out. He saw. And the Bible said he believed. Let me keep the scripture there. He believed and it was counted to him for righteousness. He believed. When you see the things that God shows you, all right, believe them. Believe them. Believe them. Hello, amen. amen. And he believed in the law. And he counted to him for righteousness. Please now. Another person who used this principle of vision to build a large church was Reverend Dr. Apostle Bishop Jacob. Reverend Dr. Apostle Bishop Jacob. Because some of you, that's how you call yourself now. You don't know who you are. You are Reverend Dr. Evangelist Bishop Apostle, you know, I pass this. Now, listen to this. Jacob had been with his uncle, Laban, and served him for 14 years for his two daughters. You know the story. And shepherded his sheep all over these years until Laban had become very blessed. So one day, Jacob came to Laban. Laban. And said, look, let me go. Let me go. Give me my wives. Give me my children. And let me go. And Laban said, no. I realize that your presence has brought me a blessing. So please stay here and work with me. Tell me how much I must pay you. And I will pay you for you to continue to be here. I want to read this whole story. And listen to it very, very carefully. In Genesis chapter 30. That would be. Genesis chapter 30. I'm showing you the power of sin. Wow. The power of sin. Having a vision. Having a vision. Genesis chapter 30. We are reading from verse 25. And I'm going to read from the NIV. I'm going to read from the NIV. Genesis chapter 30. We are going to see eh, the power of vision, of sin, in building a large church, a mega church. And it came to pass, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away, 
that I may go into my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served thee, and let me go. For thou knowest my service which I have done thee. Verse 27. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I found favor in thy eyes. Oh, sorry, let, let, me, let me change to NIV. Sorry, let me change to NIV. After Rachel gave back to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me on my way, so I can go back to my own homeland. Give me my wives and children, for whom I have served you, and I will be on my way. You know how much work I have done for you. But Laban said to him, said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, please say, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He added, Name your wages, and I will pay them. Jacob said to him, You know how I have worked for you, and how your livestock has fed under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now, when may I do something for my own household? Verse 31. What shall I give you? He asked. Don't give me anything. Jacob replied. But if you do this thing, this one thing for me, I'll go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark colored lamp, and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages. They will be my wages. Hallelujah. Eh? I, I want, I want, uh, I want the gentlemen who are wearing black, okay? I want you to come here. If they are wearing black, 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 quickly. If they are wearing black suits, yes, black jacket, black, ten, for the congregation. Yes. Yes. Verse 33. Now listen to what Jacob said. Verse 32. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark colored lamb, and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages. And my honesty will testify for me in the future. Whenever you check on the wages you have paid me, any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted, or any lamp that is not dark colored, will be considered stolen. Verse 36, verse 34. Agree, son Laban. Let it be as you have said. Now, look at verse 35. That same day, he removed all the male goats that were stripped or spotted, and all the speckled or spotted female goats, all that had white on them, and all the dark colored lambs, and he placed them in the care of his servants. Then he put a three day journey between himself and Jacob, while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. Now, I want to do, I want to do a test. I want to do a test on the 
on the pastors. Now the books. Do we, do we count some books? What are the books? Now listen. Any pastor who gets this one correct, I'll give you a book. I'm reading verses 35 and 36 again, and I'm going to ask you a question. That same day, we removed all the male goats that were stripped stripped or spotted, and all the speckled or spotted female goats, all that had white on them, and all the dark colored ones, and he placed them in the care of his sons. Then he put a three day journey between himself and Jacob, while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. Question. Question. Who removed the speckled and spotted lambs and placed them under his sons? Who? Jacob or Laban? Yes. I need a mic. Who a mic? I need a mic. Who did it? Who did it? Laban. Laban. Are you sure? Yes. Yes. Laban. 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 Are you sure? Who else? Yes. Laban. Kakanu, yeah? Liban. Liban, yes? Jacob, yes? Now speak to the mic. Liban. Liban, yes? Liban. Liban. Now, how many pastors? Your answer is Liban. Look at your hand. Look at your hand. I'm counting you. I'm counting. One, two, three, four, five. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. How many pastors? Your answer is Jacob. 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 Jacob Brothers. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. 19. Alright. So the Lebanese habit is that also. Eh? Yes, it was Lebanon. Watch this. Why is this important? Listen to me carefully. God is showing something powerful. Jacob comes to Lebanon. I said, look, give me my wages. And you make an agreement. Sit down, those of you here. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down here. No, sit down. Just find chair. Just find me chair and sit down. The black people, just sit down. Just sit down. Just sit down. Better. Just sit down. Better. Just sit down. Just get a chair and sit down. Just sit down anyway. So they make an agreement, and the agreement is that Jacob said, Don't give me any money. Let me go through your flock today. And all the spotted and the spotted and the speckled lambs and sheep, let me gather them. Do you it? So, what it means is that all the spotted, all the spotted sheep, Jacob was supposed to go through the, the flock and then gather and said, that will be my own. That's why he said that in future, if you see any goods or any sheep that is not spotted or speckled, it means I stole it. How many of you understand that? So we agreed. And do you know what Laban did? After the agreement, Laban now went into the flock and then come. Come. He, he Laban, gathered all of them 
that were stripped or speckled or spotted. Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves, but made the rest face the stripped and dark colored animals that belong to Laban. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. You are going to help me. Alright. So, that I come. So when this sheep was in heat, that is, they were ready to mix. That is it. He brought this sheep to come and drink. And as the sheep was brought down a little, as the sheep was drinking, what was directly in front of him was the streak and the speckled color. I don't understand that. So the animal was seeing something as it was mating. And therefore, get me one of the jackets. Okay. And therefore, when it was time for the animal to conceive, the animal conceived the color that it saw. And God thought that same color and Jacob separated it. And if you can understand that. When another animal was ready to mix and came to the waters, he brought him to the waters. And as he was drinking, straight ahead of him was a speckled and streaked color. So, in the course of the mating and the conception, it will conceive what it saw. Remember that Jacob didn't have anybody to start with, but he told Laban. Any animal that is speckled, and that is spotted, it wants me. He created a condition that made the sheep bring forth to what he wanted. Ready to meet, he comes, he's drinking, and then, quickly, quickly, look at that. How many of you can understand that? What was happening? The animals brought forth to what? You will bring forth to what you see. I said, You will bring forth to what you see. If you see a mega church, you have a mega church. If you see an excellent church, you have an excellent church. If you see a growing church, you have a growing church. If you see a church with many branches, that is what you will see. Why don't you clap your hands and give the Lord a shout? Listen to this. Verse 40. Jacob set apart the young, put the prophet of the flock by themselves. But made the rest face the street and dark colored animals that belong to women. Thus, he made separate flocks for himself and did not put them with women's animals. These are Laban's animals. And every time he had a streak and a speckled, he separated them. He separated them. And then he was even smarter. Look at what else he did. He was even smarter. Verse 31. Whenever the strong females were in it, Jacob placed the branches in the troughs in front of the animals so they lived near the branches. But if the animals were weak, 
You will not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones to Jacob. Now watch this. Now watch this. The strong ones come. Papa, come. Have you seen the strong one? Strong hands will come. Yeah. When this strong one, look at the color. The color is not black. Do you know? Yes, then he will come. Once the color is not black, he will come and put a thing on And as you watch it, ask if it's broken. And therefore, he will give birth to a strong one that is going to be part of this. Because look at this weak sheep. Look at this weak sheep. When this weak sheep come, come and bring. It's coming to bring, he will not put it in. And so, if you see nothing, it will bring forth a sheep or a goat just like himself, a weak one, and that one will give it to me. Look, from today, the devil has been cheating you in the ministry for too long. I said the devil has been cheating you in the ministry for too long. He has been stealing for you for too long. But from today, God is giving you a higher wisdom. I said from today, God Remember, he started with himself. Now watch. 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 Verse 32. In this way. In this way. In what way? In this way. What is the way? By manipulating the colors that the animals saw. By giving them the power of vision. In this way, the man, Jacob, grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large force. None of it is built a mega church. How did he build a mega church? Through the power of vision. He came to own large force and female and masons and camels and donkeys. How did Reverend Dr. Jacob start from zero? To a mega church through the power of vision. How did Abraham go from zero to the power of many nations through the power of vision? I will need some more. The next person that is going to have the power of vision is you. And you are going to have a mega church. I said you are going to have a mega church. You are going to have a big ministry. You are going to have a church with thousands of people. We say in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. Oh, give the Lord a wonderful cup of him. Hallelujah. The power of the sheep. See. See. Listen. You will become what you see. Now that's the whole thing. Apart from having a heart, which was a heart, uh, a big church, you must also see a big church. From today, dream. Dream in your dreams. See yourself in a big church. When you go to church, speak as someone who has a big church. Yeah, I was telling you yesterday, 
When we started our church, and the church was about 250 people in a big cathedral, the whole cathedral was empty. I would tell my people, go and touch the churches, the empty churches, the empty pews, and say to them, there's somebody here. There's somebody here. We spoke to the empty churches. We spoke to the empty churches in a big cathedral. This eight years ago. Eight years later, now we can fill that cathedral three times. That whole cathedral can be filled one, two, three times. Yeah. The power of vision. Amen. How many of you are here? Are you here in Gohom? I said, are you here in Gohom? How many of you understand the word of God? Is God speaking to you? Is God speaking to you? church growth. Number one, have a heart for church growth. Number two, have a vision. Number three, number three, the vision must be a bearing vision in you. The vision, this vision that I'm talking about, it must also be a burning vision in you. It must also be a burning vision in you. Jesus said, the zeal of thy house has consumed me. Now look at me. The vision for church growth cannot be a superficial vision. No, 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 no. Any vision, any idea that only comes into your mind once in a while, just sort of bounces in your mind and goes away. It cannot affect you. The vision that I'm talking about is something that is deep-seated in your heart. And something that consumes you. Church growth. Eh? You, must, you must eat church growth. You must drink church growth. You must sleep church growth. You must walk church growth. Therefore, you must bath Church growth, you must walk church growth. Church growth must consume you. To have a large church, to have a large ministry, it is something that must take over your spirit, your body, and your soul. That is the third attitude. Now listen. The Bible says, this collect unto thee. Hello? It is, it is deep interactions that brings fruits. Anything that is not deep. It's not able to bring fruit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? John chapter 15. Look at John chapter 15. And verse 5. John chapter 15 and verse 5. And the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me. Watch this. He that abideth 
Now watch this. Jesus said, He that abided in me. What does it mean to abide? It means to live in me. To stay in me. To be submerged in me. And I in you. It is talking about deep intercourse and interaction. He didn't say, He that embraces me. He didn't say, He that gives me a high five. He didn't say, He that holds my hands. He didn't say, that He that, you know, comes, comes close to me. But he said, He that, he that abided in me. In other words, He was talking about a deep interaction. The vision for church growth must be something that has a deep interaction in you. It must consume you. How many of you understand that? I am consumed. And my pastors, we are consumed with church growth. Everything that we do is about the church growth. All our discussions, all our arguments, all our strategies, all our plans, all our prayers, is the Lord and Lord. Add more, add more. Make us bigger, make us bigger, make us bigger, make us bigger. Add more people. Let more people be saved to us. Oh, I'm consumed. I've been consumed with church growth since 2007. Recently, one of my colleague bishops, this year he invited me to go and encourage his people to grow their churches. And then later he visited our church. And then he said something to me. He said, He said, I will never forget when we went to Korea. He said, I will never forget when we went to Korea. He said, when we went to Korea, we, we, we went to the market. To go and look for shoes, clothing, things to buy. We went to town to go and look at Seoul, Korea. And he said, I remember that you never went anywhere. You stayed in the church all the time. He was reminding me. He said, I, I, he said, I now understand. I understand that the price that you paid, God gave you something. He was selling he said, the price that you pay, God gave you something. He said, because during that visit, I said to myself, I came here to catch an anointing for change group. I'm not going anywhere. I stayed in my room to pray. I went to the prayer daughters on the prayer mountain to pray. On Sunday, I sat in all the seven uh, services from about 6 something to 9 p.m., I nearly died. I was so tired. Two of the services, the, the, I think the 6 and the 7 services are in Korean. I didn't understand the word, but I was sitting there. I was sitting there. When we go to the church, they have an, a gallery like this. That is where all the international visitors sit. By the, by the fourth service, one, two, three, the fourth service, we are left just about five, ten international people sitting down there. By the fifth service, I was the only one. I was the only one. Then now, I fell out. So I moved from there and then went downstairs 
to go and say, I want the Koreans. Why? I was consumed. I wanted God to do something. I wanted God to do something. Superficial interaction does not produce fruit. Now, let me ask you a question. We are all adults here, so I can talk. Okay? How do married people produce children? It's not by holding hands. No. It's not by holding hands. It's not by embracing. It's not by saying, I like you. I like you. No, 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 no. They produce children through deep interaction. Exchange of fruits. Spams interacting with eggs. Deep. Deep. And even they have to do it for a long time. Sometimes it takes one year. Sometimes it takes five years. Sometimes it takes ten years. Or continuously. Persistent. Persistent. But what the Lord is telling is that your desire for church growth must be something that must be deep-seated. Now, this is, this is how this is how Bishop Dad puts it. Listen to it. This is how Bishop Dad puts it. Bishop Dad says that burning and that burning desire it now becomes the internal engine in your heart that moves you. It becomes an engine. How many of you know that a car is moved by the engine? Yes. So we can have a car in freedom. This car can drive to go. The reason why it can go to go is because of the engine. It can also drive to Kalama. The reason why it can go to Kalama is because of the engine. The engine is what moves the car around in different directions. So burning is there. It will guide you to do things. Listen to this. This is a very important statement. The burning desire will become the internal engine that will move you and cause you to do things that will burn church food. For example, that desire will cause you to pray. It will cause you to pray. If you want church growth, nobody will encourage you to pray. Any pastor who is encouraged to pray, uh, it's not a pastor who wants the church to grow. Because the church grows by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. The master, the organizer, the chief executive behind any church group is the Holy Spirit. Jesus called him the Lord of the harvest in Matthew chapter 9 verse 38. He's the one. Every pastor here who wants church growth one of the things that you are going to now have to do is prayer. And when I talk about prayer, I'm talking about praying for hours. When you see pastors of large churches, let me tell you, pastors, look at me. One of the things that you see is that they are pastors who pray. Dr. Cho, he says for the past 15 years, for the past 15 years, he has woken up every time at 3 a.m. to pray for several hours a day for 15 years. And you know what he does? When he wakes up, he wakes up like 2.30 a.m. And then he dresses up. Son of Bala, he's standing Can you imagine, 2 a.m., he has dressed up like this. As if he's going to the office. And then he will enter his study to pray. Because he says, prayer is the work. Prayer is the work. Thank you. You are a pastor, you want your church to go, but you don't pray. Many of, of us sitting there, we don't pray. Many pastors don't pray. There are many pastors, you can only pray for one hour. One hour, you can't pray. That's why there's no growth. There's no power. The Holy Spirit is not active in your church. No. It is the Holy Spirit that draws the people into the church. 
Just stand up. This is a ceremony. He's just about to finish the Bible school. He's been in Ghana for four years. I have a service. I have a service. It's very early in the morning. We shall blagger. We start at we start at six thirty. Now they started, so I mean it's like it started like seven o'clock. You 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 will not imagine it. That service, I started that service, we are in November, so it's exactly two years now. Alright? And that service can have eight hundred and fifty people sitting around in two years. The day that we said nobody came, maybe seven hundred. But this what when you come to that service you see. I start preaching like, like 7.30. Around the time that I start preaching, alright, this is all the people who are in the service. Just a few people are in the service. 50 people, 70 people are in the service. So I start preaching. Within 20 minutes, within 20 minutes, you see throngs of people running into the church. I think they are put fire on their bumps. Run! And within 20, 25 minutes, the whole category is almost full. Now, this pastor, this bishop find that I told you about, he visited the church one time to preach at this service. And it was raining, just like how it rained today. And when he looked at how people passed through the room to come to church, he stood on the pulpit and then he made a statement. He said, he said for especially most of them to young people, for young people to gather early in the morning to pass through the rain to come and fill a cathedral like this, he said, This can only be the work of the Holy Spirit. Pastors, let me tell you something, Pastors, listen to me. Pray, your church will not go. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Many of us pastors, we are lazy. Lazy to pray. We don't study the scriptures. We don't fast. We don't pray. Tirelessness is the disease that affects many of us who call ourselves pastors. But let me tell you something. A pastor is somebody who is set apart, consecrated to be with God. That is why you are called a man of God. Jesus! Why was Jesus successful? Now listen to me. Jesus was not successful because he was God. Jesus on earth was man. God in man's flesh. The Bible said that he passed through all the passions just like us and yet without sin. And Jesus, like all of us, had to depend on the help of God. He had to depend on the Holy Spirit. That is why for 30 years, listen to this, for 30 years, when he came to the face of the earth, Jesus didn't do anything. Because there was no Holy Spirit. Immediately the Holy Spirit came upon him, he went to church. He looked for it, he said, now I can preach, I can teach, I can heal the sick, I can set the captive free, because now I have the Holy Spirit. And immediately he started. But Jesus was successful because he depended on God through prayer. Through prayer. Jesus prayed all the time. Mark 1 and 5. And in the morning, a great while before the rising of the went to the church and then he prayed. Luke 6 12. He prayed all night to select his disciples. 
the mouth around and then he prayed. Jesus had a habit to pray. Look at Luke 22 39. He had a habit to pray. Jesus did not build a successful ministry because he was God. He was man who depended on God to pray. Luke 22 39. Luke 22 39. Quickly, please. Luke 22 39. Now watch. And he came out and went as he was wounded to as he was wounded to the mountain of olives, and his disciples also followed him. Verse 40. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Now, that word root, what does it mean? What does it mean? Hallelujah. And then he says, Jesus went out as usual, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. Hello? Prayer must be something that a pastor does as usual. Every pastor must have a place that you go to hide to pray. <laughs> In your house, you must have your study. You must have your little corner to pray. A pastor must wake up at dawn and pray. Bishop Dad. Bishop Dad. He says, every day, I look like an old man. Because by 8 p.m., 9 p.m., I'm asleep. It's old people that sleep so early. But a man is a young man. But I said, the reason why I sleep early is so that I can wake up at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. to pray. Every day. He says, I pray five hours every day. Pray five hours. I pray. Every day. When you see a pastor of a big church, one of the things that you must know is that the man is a man of prayer. He's a man of prayer. Can I have an amen? So no prayer, no church growth. But I'm saying that what will, what will direct you to pray is that burning desire. You wake up. You wake up and God says at 3 a.m. I need to go and pray. I need nobody to encourage you. Nobody will set an alarm for you. A pastor who walks about prayerlessness, you are not going to succeed. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 21. This is a scripture that I don't want to, to ever forget in your life. Nobody should forget this scripture. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 21. I'm talking about the burning vision. The burning vision. Hallelujah. Listen to this. For the pastors are become British. That word British means senseless. Another translation says stupid. Another one says foolish. He said a person will become senseless. Why is God saying that a person has become senseless? He said the person has become British and have not sought the Lord. The pastors have not sought the Lord. What is the result of pastors not seeking the Lord? Therefore, they shall not prosper. And all their flocks shall be scattered. This is the reason why you have not prospered. What is the prosperity of a pastor? Let me ask you. What is the prosperity of a pastor? To know the prosperity of a pastor, you must know the prosperity of other people. What is the prosperity of a businessman? The prosperity of a businessman has a lot of money, a lot of property, a lot of lands. Is that not so? Pastor, is that not so? 
What is the prosperity of a football striker? It means he scores a lot of goals. He's a prolific striker. He scores a lot of goals. What is the prosperity of a heavyweight boxer? His ability to knock down his opponents all the time. What is the prosperity of a pastor? The prosperity of a pastor is the sheep that he has. And God is saying, the pastors will not prosper. You will not have sheep. And even the few that you have shall be scattered. Why? Because the pastors have not sought the Lord. They have not prayed. They have not waited upon the Lord. And why is God saying that they are senseless? Because the pastors have forgotten that the church cannot be built by you. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, I will build my church to a servant. Why do you go about? Why do you don't pray? Why do you say that not the wisdom, not the energy, not the insight, not the ability to build my church? But you are just a servant. You cannot build the church of God. No pastor, no man can build the church of God. Nicodemus said to Jesus, no man can do these things except God is with you. Listen, many pastors don't have the Holy Spirit. You don't have the anointing. You don't. You don't have the anointing. You don't. That is why the ministry is dry. There's no attraction. There's no power. Nothing is happening. Because you have no time to pray. But a pastor who wants church group, my God, you can't sleep. You can't sleep. I teach my students all the time. I tell them. I tell them. You see, just uh, even last Sunday, there's a service that I do predominantly with the students. And for many months, they have been on serious. They don't pray. They don't fast. They don't wait on God. And the service doesn't work. Alright? Then, two weeks ago, Something hit them. Then they just got up. They just got up. Last Sunday, last Sunday, last two Sundays, the service was full. Last Sunday, the service was full. And they came to me and they said, Bishop, it is true. Prayer works. We have been saying it all this while. We have been joking about prayer works. Where the pastor up? Please. Pastor, we are talking about your life, okay? Nobody should sleep, please. Nobody should sleep. Nobody should, if I see you sleeping, I'll take you out. Alright? Because you're sleeping affects me. You are telling me to stop. But I'm not ready to stop. How many of you are blessed by the word of God? Prayer! The burning engine for church growth will drive you to attend conferences like this. It will drive you to associate yourself with successful pastors. It will drive you to buy and to study books that contain the principles of how to grow successful large churches. You see, pastors, pastors don't read. Pastors don't read. Pastors would rather use their money to buy a brand new shoe and tie than to buy a book. If I get opportunity, I will talk to you about why a pastor must read a book and how through a book your whole ministry can be transformed. The burning desire will drive you to seek for the wisdom for church growth. The wisdom for church growth. It will drive you to seek the anointing for church growth. Listen to me, brothers. At the end of the day, the church, the church grows by an anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? 
the burning vision. And that is something that you must pray for. You must tell the Lord, please, give me a desire. Give me a desire. Give me a desire. Give me a better desire to see the church growing and exploding. And they want, look, when you go to church as a pastor and you make an altar call. Last night I made an altar call. Do you see the name of who God said? So you go to many places. Pastors will be have funeral services. Pastors will have wedding services. Pastors will have opportunities where unbelievers are sitting there, but it does not even occur to them for them to make an altar call. Now, in our church, altar call is standard practice. The president can be sitting down there and will do an altar call. We do an altar call. We do altar calls at funerals, weddings, anywhere. Anywhere people have gathered, we do an altar call. Because your business as a pastor is to win souls. Hallelujah. Three attitudes that every pastor who wants to go a church master. Number one, have a heart for church growth. Number two, have a vision. See the church. And number three, let this vision be a burning, a burning vision. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord increase you. May the Lord give you a heart that desires the growth of the church. May the Lord fill with a burning vision. May the Lord open your eyes to see. Send your feet and lift up your two hands and begin to pray about these three different areas. Pray. Pray. Pray.
cannot read. A leader who does not read, which means that you can read, but you don't read, is the same as an illiterate who, who cannot read. Wow. Pastors, reading will help you. Reading a book. A book must be something that a pastor must love and cherish and desire. Spend any amount of money to buy a book. Yes. Because what a book can give to you, money will not be able to buy. Amen? Money will not be able to buy. Yeah. I'm standing before you here because of a book. The books that my father has written, I've eaten them. I've eaten them. The books on church planting, the books on the mega church, the books on church growth. Over the years, I've eaten them until they have become part of my flesh. I speak out of them without consulting them. That's what I'm saying here. But that's why you are not invited. Because you don't read. So you don't have anything to say. You don't have anything to say. Now, I've been standing here for more than two hours. I just been speaking. I've not been reading for months. I just been speaking. All for the message I wrote it. I just been speaking. And there's so much. We ca- you are tired. Honestly. But we can be here till the night. I have a lot of things to say. From where? From the books. The books. The scriptures. The books. From me. I'm invited. This year I've been to several countries. Come and speak. 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 Yeah. Because of books. So pastors, a book is something that you must love. From today, don't buy shoes. A pastor must have just one pair or two pairs of shoes. That's all. That's all. My father in ministry, Jordan, he always wears one pair of shoes. You see, the amazing thing about Bishop Dad that hits people, it just hits them, and I'm sure it hit Bishop uh, Laga when he came, is his simplicity. Now you enter the Kodesh, alright, you enter the Kodesh, where the headquarters of the churches, you enter into a large compound with huge church and buildings all over. All over. And that is not the only thing. We have the cathedrals all over. Different things. And then the bishop comes out to come and speak. And everybody is wondering, where is Bishop Darkwood Mills? That is Bishop Darkwood Mills. He comes in his African way. You been there? You been there? Oh, okay. Yeah. He comes in his African way. You can, you can ask them. I'll tell you. What is true? Walking around. That is a that's Bishop Dark. Listen, you don't need a jacket. Stop buying jackets. Stop buying desire. I, I want something from the UK. I, I want something from the UK. You don't need that. You are a fool. You are a fool. You are a fool to be spending your money on jackets and shoes. And I'm not mentioning your name, so just look straight. Did I, did I mention your name? 
So just look straight and keep on smiling so nobody will know that it's you. <laughs> I am here almost the whole week pushing. When the bishop met me, he said, Why is your baggage? Why is the luggage that you got? I said, This is a hand luggage. That's it. Hand luggage. This is the only shoe. I'm wearing this shoe. And this shoe I want the whole year. And it's all that I cannot afford. I can. I can. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Yeah. I'm blessed. What has blessed me? I travel business coming here. I travel business coming here. I start struggling at the back. So don't think that it's because I don't have money. When you see Bishop Dark, you see, he wears plastic watch. Plastic watch. This is a man that God has raised up to build a multi-million dollar organization. You see him walking around. He says, know what is the most important thing? The most important thing Alright, it's what will help you in the ministry. One of the main things that will help you in the ministry is a book, reading, 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 reading. I don't know whether we have those three books. Mega Church, Church Growth, Church Planting. Now, I want to recommend these three books to you. Alright, buy them. I want every person here to buy them. I don't know whether they have copies on sale. Now, how many pastors want your church to grow? Listen, these three books, I want to recommend them. This one is called Church Planting. It will teach you everything about how to plant a church. So that you don't see somebody's church to start your church. Some of you have stolen somebody's church members. Yeah, you don't need to do that. Then the next one is Mega Church. How to grow a big church. And then the next one is Church Group. Do you understand how to have church growth. These are the three books. So church growth, the mega church, and church planting. Get them. Look, these three books are better. Eat them. Eat them. Eat them. Drink them. He said, I'm going to show you something powerful from the word of God. It is going to change your attitude completely about reading. Amen. Why must a pastor love books? Number one, I told you, if you cannot read, you cannot lead. Number two, because if a pastor who can read does not read, he the same as an illiterate who cannot read. So don't make yourself an illiterate. Amen. And if you're a pastor, listen to me, if you're a pastor and maybe based on the family circumstances where you were brought up, you are not able to go to school. You can't read. Let me tell you something. You can study how to read. You can learn how to read. In Ghana, we have a man of God. He's a bishop. Now. Now, he used to be, listen to this, he used to be the house boy. We have house boys in Sahelion. Eh? He used to be the house boy of a man of God. House boy. And he was an illiterate. He couldn't read. He couldn't write. He couldn't. He simply could not. Amen? Listen very carefully. So he followed this man of God until the man of God died. But the story goes that before the man of God died, he laid his hands on him. And the man of God was involved in an accident. A car accident and died. And this young man started listening to the messages of this man of God. 
he put it in his ears. He listened. And so now he started preaching. He started a church. And then he realized that he was very limited. He could only preach in a local dialect. So he decided to learn English. And learned English. Today, as I'm speaking to you, he preaches on television in English. Listen. You know him? Yeah. He preaches on television. Listen. This is the funniest part of him. He preaches in English for somebody to interpret in local language. So don't limit yourself. If you cannot read, go to school. Find someone to teach you. And you will make it. Because you see, I was talking about the principle of the best change. Look, if all that you can preach in is clear, you can't go to England. You can't go to Paris. You can't go to America. You can't go to many places. You can just simply not go. Nobody go, you speak in clear. They cannot understand it. And that's all that you know. When I was getting out of my hotel room, we were walking along the alley, and I saw two white men. They were conversing. So when I passed by them, I started talking to them, and they were shocked. They were Russians. They were shocked. I started talking to them. So, so one, one continued to follow and said, I mean, who are you? Where do you come from? You know, and I had a little nice chat. You have to be international. You have to know a little more than, you know, your surroundings. Can I have an amen? Number three. I passed some last books because he knows that the information in the book may make the difference for his life's work. A pastor loves books because he knows that the information in a book may make the difference for his life's work. The information in a book can make all the difference for your life work. Watch this. How many of you have heard of Martin Luther? Martin Luther, the one who started the Reformation, this is what happened to him. He was a Catholic priest, priest, and then at a point his superiors thought that he was, you know, they wanted to change his mind. So they sent him to a Bible seminary to go and teach. In a Bible seminary. And the subject they gave him to teach was the book of Ephesians. Now, before that, the Catholic Church taught that you have to buy your salvation. You have to go to purgatory. You have to do so many things before you are saved. When Martin Luther started teaching Ephesians, then he read in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 that you are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And that it is not by the work of man, but it is the gift of God. He really is ah, saved by grace, saved by grace, saved by grace. But we have been teaching that people must buy, people must pay money, people must give them for their salvation. That is why he started information for. So he rose up and said, No, you guys, you have been teaching us the wrong things all these years. That is why the great information started from. The information he picked from the book changed his life work. Hallelujah. So something that you read in a book can change everything about you. Can I have an amen? Can I have an amen? Are you here in government? I said, are you here or you are government? Amen. Wow. Number two. Reading a book puts you in a different, in a direct contact with the author of the book. Reading a book puts 
still in direct contact with the author of the book. Amen. I'll be speaking to you about Bishop Dad. Alright? And I'm sure that many of you love his ministry. But the question is that, when are you going to get the opportunity to be able to sit under the feet of Bishop Dad? And even if you got the opportunity to sit under his feet, for how long? How long? He's so busy. Alright? And yet, you can be in direct contact with Bishop Dad 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 30 days in a month, throughout the whole year, through the books that he has written. Because everything that you ask him to do, he has written in a book. Sometimes you meet pastors. They say, Bishop, please lay your hands on me and pray for me so that your anointing will come upon me. Now, the anointing doesn't just come just like that. The anointing is also wisdom. The anointing is also information. The anointing is also truth that the person has. Hallelujah. That's what I'm saying. So, so, just walking around and asking a man of God to lay his hands on you, that is not the only way you're going to get the anointing. But when you get a book, you can be in direct contact. All that the person knows, he has written in a book. All that the person knows, he has written in a book. And you can eat it. Can I have an amen? Number three. Number five. A leader knows that authors are workers and researchers for them. A leader knows that authors are workers and researchers for them. Somebody has spent five years, two years, three years, one year researching and writing a book. So you don't need to go and reinvent the wheel. You can read that book and all the facts that you have gained through the research can be yours in a matter of one hour, in a matter of two hours, in a matter of three hours, in a matter of one day. You don't need to sweat. All the principles about church planting, don't go and look for them anywhere, it's written in a book. All the principles about church growth, don't go and look for it anywhere, it's written in a book. All the principles about church growth, Mega church. It is written somewhere. All the principles about how to catch an anointing. A man of God, led by the Spirit of God, has researched, studied, written it. All that you need to do is to get that book and study it and it will be a blessing. Can I have an amen? Number what? Number six. A leader, a pastor knows that many years of experience can be transmitted through one book. A pastor knows that many years of experience can be transmitted through one book. Number, five, number seven. A pastor knows that a book is a patient teacher. A book is what? A patient teacher. Can I have a book? Give me a book. A book is a patient teacher. What does it mean? When you read it and you forget you go back. When you read it, you don't understand it, you go back. The book doesn't finish. The book doesn't run away. The book doesn't suck you. The book doesn't say, why are you reading it too much? The book is a patient teacher. It's with you. You can learn from it. You can study from it as long, as much as you want. Number eight. A pastor knows that we can catch an anointing from a book. Yeah. You can catch an anointing. Because the words that the author has written 
are anointed. And the words contain the spirit. The words contain the spirit. It contains the anointing. Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 63. He said, it is the spirit that pregnant. The flesh profited not. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So the words that the anointed man has written, it contains spirit. It contains the anointed. And as you read, the anointing enters you. You can catch an anointing as you read the book. May you catch an anointing as you read the book. I said, may you catch an anointing as you read the book. Hallelujah. Huh? Wow. Next one. A person knows that the greatest leaders of all time were leaders. The greatest leaders of all time were leaders. Daniel. Daniel is an example of a great leader who were in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 2, the Bible says, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of God came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. You understand? He said, I understood, okay, by books. He read the books of Jeremiah. He read it. Amen. Another example of a great leader who loved this was Paul. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul said, The cloth that I left at trials with couples, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. So Paul was a reader. So pastor, become a reader. Can I have an amen? Clap your hands for the Lord. Now, give me Revelation chapter 5 from verse 1. And I'll read it from the NIV. Pastors, it is a disaster if you don't read. Lift up the right hand, every pastor, everybody. Say, if I don't read, it's a disaster in my life. It's a tragedy in my life. If I don't read, Amen. Now look at that. In Revelation chapter 5, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne as scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or an earth, or under the earth, could open the scroll, or even look inside it. I wept, and wept, because no one was found who was ready to open the scroll, to look inside. John, why are you weeping? Because nobody is weeping. John was weeping because nobody was weeping. Was weeping. Was written. Amen. That's right. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, 
much coal and ate seven servants. But you see, John was weeping because nobody could open the scrolls. So it's a disaster. It's a tragedy. It's a sad thing when God has put powerful revelations to help you to build a successful church in books, but you are not willing. And because you are not willing, you cannot benefit from them. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 10. We are coming to the end now. This is my last scripture. Revelation chapter 10. Have you been blessed this morning? How many of you now sense that God is going to use you to build a large church? Oh, yeah. Amen. Revelation chapter 10. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was walked in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like a sun, and his legs were like fairy pillars. Now, look at me, pastors. God sent a powerful angel from heaven. An angel in cloud, an angel whose legs were so big. Eh? <laughs> Why? Why did God send such a powerful angel to come to John? Why? Look at verse 2. He was holding a little scroll. He was what? Holding a little scroll. Eh? He was holding a little scroll. The, the, the King James says he, was, he had a little book. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. You can imagine how big that angel is. I mean, one, one, look at where the sea is. Where is the sea? Where is the sea? Where is the direction of the sea? Where, where is it? Eh? It's this way. Can you imagine? An angel, one leg was in the sea, and one leg here. It shows you how big the angel. And why was he saying, Who sent this huge angel with a little book? A little book. It shows you how important a book is. For God to send such an amazing angel to come with a little book. Amen. Huh? Come to verse 8. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me once more. Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, take. The angel said to John, take and eat it. Perfect. God is telling you, get a book and eat. Eat it. Eat it. Chew the book. Study it. Meditate on it. Learn from it. Let it enter you. Every pastor here who wants to be a successful pastor must be an avid reader of books. When God sent a powerful angel from heaven, he had a little book. And the angel gave the book to John and said, take it and eat it. 
sour. But in your mouth, it will be as sweet as honey. I took a little scroll for the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I have eaten it, it I eaten it, my stomach turned sore. Then now, watch this. What is the effect after the eating the book? What will happen to you after you have eaten the book? Verse 11. I'm closer on this one. Pastor, look at how your ministry is going to transform. Revelation chapter 10, verse 11. Never forget the scripture. What will happen to you after you have eaten the book? And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. What is the angel talking about? He said, when you eat this book, the effect of the book is that the book is going to let you now begin to prophesy. Now the word prophesy is the word to preach. To preach. To teach the word of God. To prophesy means to speak under inspiration. Since, since the last about three hours, I've been prophesying. I've been speaking under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And the angel said, when you eat the book, something is going to happen to you. You are now going to begin to be able to teach and preach. To whom? Number one. To peoples. You are going to preach to many people. Through a book, you will be anointed through a book, you have a lot of information. Through a book, you have a lot of knowledge to preach to a lot of people. By the grace of God, I've eaten books. And I preach to a lot of people all the time. Now, wherever I go, I preach to a lot of people. I don't preach to a few people. I preach to a lot of people. How many people to preach to? Here, there, here, there, moving around, preaching. And that is what God wants your ministry to become. Can I have an amen? Then apart from that, he said, you will prophesy before many nations. That is talking about international ministry. Through a book, you can become an international minister. You will be prophesying, you will be teaching. You see, I'm in Saron. I'm in Saron now. And I've been to uh, other countries this year. I'm prophesying to nations. I'm teaching nations. Nations. Through the information that I've learned from the books. From the books. God will send you everywhere. From Sayonara here, you'll be going to Russia. You'll be going to America. You'll be going to Liberia. You'll be going to Gambia. You'll be going to New Zealand. And to teach people the information that you have gathered in books. Not only that. He said, and tongues. You will prophesy before many tongues. In other words, people who speak different languages. A time will come when you are preaching, you have an interpreter. Yeah, this year I want to have a, I want to have a church go conference in another country. And, and I have an interpreter. When I preach, I have to wait for, for her to speak before I continue. So it has happened to me. And not only that, and before many kings. Many important people. God is going to give you audience of important people. Kings, president, ministers, parliamentarians, all kinds of great people. How is it going to happen? Through the little book. The angels said, take it and eat it. Take it and 
marriage. And when you do that, you are now going to begin to prophesy to peoples, to nations, to tongues, and to kings. Pastors, let a book be your friend. Spend any amount of money that you can to buy a book. Buy books. Build a library. And also books. You can't read all of them at the same time. You get there and put them there. As you walk in your study, the Holy Spirit will guide you. This one. This one. This one. You read a chapter here. When you take a book, don't try to read it from, from, from uh, chapter 1 to the end. No, 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 no. Open it. Any chapter that you know you like, you read it and put it down. You take another book and gradually, 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 you'll be able to read it lot. I see you become the mega church master. May the Lord help you. May the Lord anoint you. May the Lord transform your ministry. May the Lord give you a large church. May the Lord cause you to pastor many people. May the Lord give you many branches. May you see an expression in your church. May you see increase in the name of the Lord Jesus. Lift up your hands and begin to thank the Lord. Lift up your hands and begin to thank the Lord. We believe you have been blessed by this message. We invite you to worship with us at the Lighthouse Chapel International, Light of the World Cathedral, Collegon, opposite the Collegon Main Gate. Our service times are Early Rain Service, 6.30 to 8.15 a.m. Love and Hope Service, Local Languages Services, from 7.30 to 9.30 a.m. Love and Faith Service, from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. Our Vibrant Youth Church is also at 9.30 a.m. to 12 noon. Be part of our midweek impartation service this and every Tuesday from 6.15 to 8.30 p.m. prompt. For further prayer and counseling and further inquiries, please call 0278-888-884 or 0543-289-289. The numbers again. 0278-888-884 or 0543-289-289 God bless you to glorify